Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me on Twitter at JadeOxidRose, and my pronouns are they, them. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, Book-specific content warnings. Uh, We are continuing our uh, foray into the David trilogy. Uh, We're on book 21, The Threat. Uh, And things escalate. (laughs) Um, So some book-specific content warnings include uh, (laughs) violence against animals, uh, gun violence, culture shock, uh, new kid, outsider, um, peer hostility. Those are kind of all the same ones from before. The violence against animals does kind of continue. Um, uh, uh, hospital intensive care unit grief. Uh, someone who is not the kids is essentially put into the hospital as a result of a vehicle hitting a cycler. Um, it's not gone into much depth in this book. It'll become more apparent in the next book. But some of the people in the book are dealing with some grief as a result of that. Um, And murder. Just fucking straight up. (laughs) Murder. Love that that is a content warning on, you know, our podcast about this kids book series. (laughs) Just just murder. Just, Uh, Just murder. Not in the war crimes way that we've been dealing with up to this point, either. Nope. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. So. So. Anything before we dive in, or do we want to just dive into this plot? Uh, Could you, can you think of any other content warnings? Um... Not actual content warnings, only only jokey ones. Okay. So let's dive in. All right. So you're probably wondering how the Animorphs got here. (laughs) (laughs) As uh, Jake, Marco, Cassie, Axe, and David are, as we left them, in Roachmorph plummeting from the hatch of the blade ship. And... Uh, as Jen commented in the last episode, this is not the first time the kids have fallen from height and there's been the argument about morphing. And actually there's this, some of the kids are panicking, uh, well, to be fair, they're all yelling first. Mm-hmm. Um, David, uh, about we're all going to die, and Axe points out that uh, the impact, uh, he doesn't think the impact will kill them because as cockroaches, they're not heavy enough mm-hmm. to die on impact assuming they can't get like terminal velocity or whatever even if they were that high um and cassie's like oh no he's right and marco's like yeah unless we hit the water (laughs) um uh there's the conversation about whether or not uh they should uh demorph uh and jake's about like no there's not enough time because then we'll gather mass as we demorph at which point they get swooped out of they get swooped and caught out of the air by uh tobias and rachel Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel being incredibly chill about it, 
Just like, this is that is you guys, right? I mean, I figure cockroaches falling through the air, got to be you guys. <laughs> this is just like, yeah, you seldom see cockroaches at a thousand feet up. <laughs> so perhaps unsurprisingly, the kids are safe for now. Well, as safe as they ever are. They are not plummeting to a possible death yep. from a great height in Morph. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, a backup. Uh, Jake is our point of view narrator in this book. And uh, he gives us the usual rundown uh, how it about discovering the blue box had been found by a kid named David. And then he backs up further and gives us our usual uh, opening uh, exposition about mm -hmm. setting up the world of animals and the stakes and how things are. Yep. And... Um. Um, yeah, re-enter David. And I do appreciate the line of um, after they had assumed about the uh, the blue box or the Eskifold vice being destroyed. Now we had it hidden, but too late to stop the trouble that followed. David found the box and bad things started happening. And there is our leader <laughs> with a talent for understatement. <laughs> right ass there. Um because David's parents are yeah, as you know from the last book. You know this part. You were with us last episode. I assume otherwise you should maybe go back and listen to the episodes about episode about book twenty, because otherwise you're gonna get a real lost real fast. Yeah. It's only been two days for us listeners. It's been two weeks for you. <laughs> yeah, no, so we uh we decided though because otherwise it was gonna be a month, we were like, let's uh hey, it's Labor Day. Let's record on Monday. Um <laughs> So here we are. Um, but um, so they are positing that they think maybe the human that they saw could have been the president. They aren't sure, though, at that point. They just know it's somebody connected or close to the president, if not the president. Right. Um, but they are safe. And as they land uh, down at the beach... We uh, just have everybody sort of recovering. Uh, Marco, as usual, sort of trying to make uh, light of the situation mm -hmm. uh, with a not very funny joke, as uh, Jake describes it, as he's trying to uh, get Marco like, you know, come on, get it together <laughs> in a way that he yep. doesn't clearly enjoy doing any more than anything else he's obliged to do for this group. Yep. Uh, they got a demorph, and uh, as was mentioned briefly in the last book, uh, David doesn't have a morphing outfit. Um, so Rachel and Cassie are uh, commanded to look, look away, um, and Tobias... Uh, heads off to get uh, David something to wear. Because yep. they're how morphin be. Yeah. And we get some good uh, acts baffled by clothing. Uh, just like, yeah, when it's cold, sure, but otherwise, no. Nah. And then there's all these rules about how to wear clothes. <laughs> uh, you mean like the time you wore socks on your hands or the time you wore underwear on the outside of your pants? <laughs> uh, Tobias comes back with a pair of swim trunks uh, 
that he has stolen from a nearby beach shop. Uh, along with a t-shirt. Along with a t-shirt. Uh, and Cassie's like, you stole these? And Tobias is like, no, I borrowed them. Besides, I'm a bird. Birds are not capable of stealing. What are they going to do? Arrest me? Uh, and Jake points out that they find a money to find a way to get money to the store. Um, later, he mentions that he literally mails money to the store to pay for these items of clothing that they stole. Um, because they don't want to start down the path of like just stealing things willy nilly. Uh, and I'm over here looking at uh, the dumb kids like, huh. <laughs> um, uh -huh. and Jake says, yeah, in an emergency <laughs> like this, maybe we can grab something, but we have to make it right later. That's the rule. Um, and then uh, David pipes up that it would be amazing. Uh, and Jake's like, what would be amazing? He shrugged. Us. Go ahead. <laughs> I just saw me with my David like crime. It's basically <laughs> what it is. It's like animal yeah. crime. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, but he and he's just like he's so captivated by the notion of the freedom that comes with this. And to be fair, not that it's Tobias's fault, but Tobias said, "Eh, birds can't steal. Mm -hmm. Animals can't be prosecuted." And they're not subject to human laws, which is a great thing to say to somebody who clearly already has feelings about being above laws already. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he, he makes this picture, oh, well, you could just go into jewelry stores, grab diamonds, run away as a cheetah, um, and then you just morph to human and you'd be gone and it'd be done. And Marco's just like, yeah, okay, let's do that right after we figure out how to keep the Yerks from turning the most powerful leaders in the world into alien-infested zombies. As soon as we're done with that, we start ripping off jewellery stores. And uh, David sort of turns around and like, hey, I was just kidding. I guess I forgot you're the only one allowed to make jokes, Marco. And Jake, like, mm, is <laughs> just like, was this, because he recognises it for what it is, which is... David taking a pot shot at Marco mm -hmm. um, and can tell that Marco's kind of pissed and he isn't sure if David is joking or not mm -hmm. um, and he like decides yeah I'm going to talk to Cassie about it because Cassie gets people <laughs> yeah um, a lot in the course of this narration we get Jake kind of like very clearly analyzing David mm -hmm. and the other's reactions to David and David's David's reactions to the others mm -hmm. um like he he is just like we talked about in the last book about how Jake has to to think about how to incorporate this new person into their team. We see in this book him doing exactly that. Yeah, there's and a line like, later in the book which is mm -hmm. like Jake outright stating, "I know how the others will react to things. I do not know that about <clears throat> David." Right. Um. This this instance with David, like, hey, I was just kidding. I guess I forgot you're the only one who's allowed to make jokes. That very much sounds like the, kind of like last book, it sounds like the just kidding that someone says when they realize that Nobody's the laughing. people that they're with aren't cool with what mm -hmm. they said. Mm-hmm. I think we've all encountered people like that. And yep. uh, yeah, it's never a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, yeah, we we get Jake talk, you know, thinking to himself that he has to remember to treat David just like any other member of the group. Um, and you know, it's not a big deal if two people don't necessarily get along super duper well because everyone gets on each other's nerves at one point or another. Um, but they regroup and uh, continue on with their mission. Their mission isn't done. They still need to check out the resort um, and figure out what's going on over there. Uh, and Cassie says, all right, well, let's all morph seagulls because we're on a beach. No one's going to be looking out for seagulls. Um, David does not have a seagull morph. And David points out, but I'll bet I could morph back into Golden Eagle and bring one down. Which is a little soon, mm-hmm. bro. Uh, <laughs> considering he took down a crow last book for no yeah, fucking like, reason. Probably about, what, 45 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... And and Jake winces at this eagerness, like, mm, uh, let's. Hey, Tobias, can you uh, can you do this thing? Can you grab a goal? Um, Alive is Cassie's <laughs> attendant to that. Yeah, uh, and Tobias is just like, yeah, fuck, of course I can. Can I grab a goal, <clears throat> please? <laughs> They're just rats with wings. Uh, and David comments, Tobias is like really into the whole bird thing, isn't he? Uh, and Jake explains how, like, well, this is kind of his life now, so he has a lot of opinions about other birds. Uh, and David makes a makes a comment like, oh, you mean like he's racist only with birds instead of people? And Cassie's like, no, that's not how racism works. Uh, yeah. Her phrasing is all those birds are different species. Humans are all one species. Not really a very good comparison, which is the most level-headed response they could have given a black <laughs> girl to some peak white entitled male bullshit. Yep. Yep. It's true. Yeah. And like, David's just all sullen. He's like, whatever. He literally does the whole whatever. Yep. Um, I do kind of... It's again one of those things where I don't know if the uh, the FKA consider the implications of mm -hmm. dropping that line. Like, yeah, yes, we probably know David. Not. Probably not. No, and it and it bugs me. Like, also, uh, as it was rear, uh, there was a reminder of, or no, in the last book that um, Marco's not white either. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you're going to do the, the uh, tokenism, colorblind casting, please just remember these, just a little bit more consideration would just, or have Cassie or Marco react differently mm -hmm. to it. Because um, I can fully believe that David maybe would have made that crack regardless. Mm-hmm. It's just how it's received. Even if Cassie, and we we talked about this with Dirk uh, in mm -hmm. with the last Cassie book, it's sort of like putting that emotional labor onto the only black character. Yeah, is bad. It's a bad look. Mm -hmm. Um, but he uh, David shrugs it off, 
Um, and like Cassie doesn't give any tone. She just like lays it out mm-hmm. in that, in that very sort of chill way that Cassie can be. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Jake feels like he should say something, but he's feeling totally off kilter. Mm-hmm. And you can understand why, like, the whole group dynamic is shifting under his feet with yeah. the uh, with da- with the addition of David. So, and because he, he doesn't know how David's going to do in battle, um, he would done okay as the roach is being chased around. But things are going to get things will likely get worse than that. And Jake, fucking bless, when he realizes Cassie is looking at him and picking up on how worried he is, he just like looks up at the sky like he's looking for Tobias. Yep. To give himself a moment to put his like fearless leader game face back on. Yep. And they're like, no point in making everyone else nervous too. And I'm yep. just like, oh, Jake. Mm-hmm. Kiddo. Oh. Uh, Tobias um, comes up back with a gull that he has already acquired because he also did not have a gull morph. Uh, also, the way and- he describes snatching this seagull out of the air <laughs> while he's diving on some gun sandwich, all I can think of is that um, that photo set of a woman catching a hawk that was diving for her chickens mm-hmm. and how confused <laughs> the hawk looked <laughs> with it. Just that, it's like, it's just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's, it's good shit. Yep. Yep. Uh, David acquires the gull uh, and they all morph. Um, and like... Uh, has basically always happened when they morph seagulls. They are all uh, distracted by food and garbage. Yeah, there's um, a lot of commentary about a guy who's got a whole large pizza, and that's a little bit judgy, animals. It is. We don't judge this shit. But I could, yeah, I'm not going to give excuses for that. It's just yeah. the sort of casual fat phobia yeah. that is all over anything. I was going to say from that period, I will kind of say around anything, quite frankly. But um, for what it's like the late 90s and moving up through the early 2000s, there was a lot of focus, like a lot. Like, or I should say the particular ideal was considered to be very thin and athletic. That was sort of like the, the ideal beauty standard at the time. So it's one of those things that it's just bad. It's bad. Even if one is in a seagull brain wanting some of the pizza, which is what actually it boils down to because the kids are just like, well, surely he could spare a slice. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, they're able to get past the food um, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, pizza was not the point. And Rachel spots some fries. And then Marco's like, and this is a fucking great exchange. I love this. And this is part of why Tobias is the best. Because mm-hmm. um, Mark is like, oh, oh, fried chicken. Hey, Tobias, if a seagull eats chicken, is that like cannibalism or something? And Tobias's response is, that depends, extra crispy or regular. Which is just <laughs> the best offbeat humor that I love from Danielle's Birdson. <laughs> Uh, His full title. You know. (laughs) Tobias Daniels Birdson. (laughs) 
Uh, as they near the resort, they start seeing security looking super suspicious, hand, you know, around. Um, and Rachel points this out, like, could that guy look any more like Secret Service? Um, and David, uh, pulling on his uh, dad's kind of knowledge working with the NSA, of course, they're Secret Service, David said. But so are some of the people lying out here on the beach. With something like this, probably half the people on the beach are security. And Marco, this motherfucker, uh, says, and of course, you're the big expert because your dad is a spy, Marco said with a definite sneer. He's with the National Security Agency. That's right, David said. Yeah, well, now he's with the Yerk Security Agency, Marco muttered. Like, Marco, dude, why? you know better than to bait him. It makes me wonder, like, and this is the interesting thing of switching perspectives, like, mm -hmm. Marco is smarter than that, but we also saw in the last book just how much David gets under his skin. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there are people that bring out the worst in us. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, because, yeah, he is smarter. Like, hell, they're in thought speak right now. He could yep. direct that elsewhere. Yep. But... He and I don't think this is like leaning into like okay, well, if David if it's David versus Marco, then at least David will get on with everybody else because he can just focus his aggro on Marco, mm -hmm. which is a realization that I hate. Let me just say, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so uncharacteristic of Marco, which makes me think just about how off his game he is. Mm -hmm. And also how nervous he must be, because we know Marco cracks more jokes when he's scared. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, Jake immediately calls Marco out for that little uh, joke. Um, mm -hmm. But um, after pouting for a moment, uh, Marco does apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, but as there's sort of this silence as they keep flying, Jake is like second guessing himself, wondering if he's, if this beef, as it were, between Marco and David is more of a problem than just people not getting along. Right. Uh, they head over the wall that surrounds the resort, um, and they're flying around. David's like, oh, well, this is really easy. And Jake's like, yeah, but we still need to get inside the buildings. And we can't land in Demorph because everybody will see us. And they all kind of like talk back and forth about what possibilities they have as they're looking, which is it's a really interesting um kind of page where they're all bouncing these ideas off of one another. Um and everyone is kind of contributing to what what they could do yeah, and it's like seeing the group in action yeah like working how they usually work yep um and then uh out of nowhere uh jake is hit with a wave of agony that seems to sizzle and fry every cell in his body and then axe screams <laughs> Um, and the pain is gone just as quickly as it came. Uh, and looking around, Jake spots one of the security people 
Um, whereas none of the others are paying any attention to any of the birds. This security person is. Uh, and essentially this dude is looking at certain birds. Um, and after looking at a bird for a moment, that bird spasms in pain. Uh, and if it's a regular bird, leaves. Because fuck that. Um, and Axe... Uh, who is very shaken up, uh, posits that it might be that he has some kind of low-powered dragon beam in his sunglasses. Think like, I mean, think Cyclops from X-Men, only it's, not visible. It reminded me, reading that line, of how mm -hmm. um, in the Hawk Vigier Chronicles, we learned how the, the Yerks changed shredders to cause more pain. Yes. Intentionally, and just... There's there's such a like base level cruelty mm -hmm. in in this, and it's it it tracks with Yerk behavior because everything below them is like as uh, Aftran described it is pigs. So just local wildlife will register as even lower than that. Mm -hmm. But there's just something deeply just unsettling about that casual yeah. disregard. Um, and so Jake realizes that they have to, they have to leave, but they can't all leave at once because if they all leave at once, it's going to be extremely suspicious. So instead they have to wait for him to zap them and then leave, which results in all of them just kind of hovering in the air, waiting for this super intense hit of pain. Uh before they can leave. Um, Cassie likens it to a full-body dental visit without Novocaine. Um, Way to reuse that line from the previous book, K.A. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but Cassie gets out. Uh, David and Jake are both kind of waiting. The others uh, have managed to, for the most part, kind of circle away out of range uh, in a, in a natural-looking way. Um, but we have this uh, exchange between David and Jake. We have to stay here and let that guy zap us, David demanded. We should either run or go kick his butt for him. I had felt the pain. I knew how awful it was, but I couldn't let everyone turn tail and run. Not all at once. We had to be normal gulls. Still, I knew how the others felt. I felt it too, floating helpless and exposed in midair, waiting for the bald man to hit me again. He's looking at me, David yelled. What am I supposed to do? Nothing, I grated. Take it, then you can get out of here. Uh, David gets the takes the hit, uh, and Jake feels, like, awful in, you know, forcing David to essentially take take this shot. Um, and I do like that detail that's also the part of his brain that wasn't busy feeling guilty wondered how he'd react. Yeah. Like, he can't switch off the general yeah, part of his head. Uh, but David takes the hit. He says, okay, that was a major ouchie. Now can I get out of here? Uh, and Jake says, yeah, fly. And by the way, David, good job. Uh, and David says, thanks, sounding sincere. And then sarcastically says, thanks a lot. Uh, which is interesting. Because like... At this point, we know that David is still kind of 
trying to fit in a little bit, at least. Mm. Um, and I don't know. It, fe- it feels like a microcosm of his position in the group at this moment. Yeah. Where like- he's mm-hmm. Go on. grading against everything that they have to do, but also kind of still wanting to be part of the group. Mm. Um, yeah, when I first read that, I took it like, oh, okay, he is grateful and then changed his mind. But then I thought, is it just that sarcasm? Just like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for nothing. Like that whole, he mm. isn't even trying. He is just being a sarcastic little shit. Gotcha. Could be. I, I don't know. It's one of the mm-hmm. things, the first time I read it, I read it as genuine. Reading yeah. it this time, I'm like, oh, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Uh, but yeah, they fly away. Um, they they don't get found out. Um, and they kind of are left off right where they started because they know the they know a little bit more about the the resort, but it's super heavily guarded, and they don't still don't have any kind of plan to get in. Yeah. Uh, everyone goes home. Um, this this first paragraph. We left, we went home. At least Marco, Rachel, Cassie, and I went home. Axe's home is a few billion miles away. Tobias's home is his favorite tree overlooking the meadow that is his territory. As for David, he didn't have a home. No home, no family. None that he could contact anyway. Uh, he couldn't even be seen in his own body. Uh, so... David goes with Cassie to the barn that is the Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic and spends the night in the hayloft, or at least is supposed to spend the night in the hayloft. Uh, But we'll get to that in a moment. (laughs) Uh, In the meantime, Jake goes home uh, and his parents are sitting, waiting for him to get home. And at first he's like, oh, fuck. Like they're gonna they're gonna ground me, and now is not the time to get grounded. Um, but then his parents both get up and hug him, and right away he knows something is extremely wrong. Um, his mom and dad are both extremely worried uh, and say that something has happened. Um, Jake's first thought is about Tom. He asks if it was Tom, like something happened to Tom. But Tom also comes in right behind Jake. Uh, and Jake's mom says that, uh, Jake's cousin Sadler was riding his bike and was hit by a car. He's currently alive, but the injuries are very severe. He's in intensive care and they don't know if he's going to make it. And then Jake, I'm ashamed to admit that my first reaction was not poor Sadler. Instead, I wondered what impact this would have on my plans. Partly, that's because Sadler was not a cousin I was close to. He's two years older, and to be honest, kind of a jerk. When we were little and our parents made us play together, he was the kind of kid who'd break something and then blame me. It was pretty awful to think he was so badly hurt. But at the same time, I was trying to figure out how this affected me. Sadler and his family lived in a small town about a hundred miles away. Uh, And Jake's dad says that... Uh, he and Jake's mom are going to go drive out to where Sadler lives and help them there. And then they're going to uh, 
uh, Sadler will be transferred to a children's hospital in Jake's hometown in a day or two. Um, but essentially, this means that Tom and Jake are going to be uh, home alone for a couple days until Jake's parents get back. Um, <laughs> Tom and Jake exchange a look. Both of them... <laughs> Both of us were calculating what this meant. We each had a hidden agenda. Tom didn't know mine. If Tom ever found out what I did when I wasn't at home or at school, that would be the end of my freedom. Probably the end of my life. Uh, you know, just flippantly, casually. Yeah. yeah. No big deal. Um, and once uh, Sadler is moved to the hospital in the area, then his family are going to stay with Jake's family. Uh, and this makes Jake extremely worried because Sadler has three siblings um, and having to move around that many people makes getting in and out of the house extremely fucking difficult for Jake. Tom asks why they can't stay with Rachel's family. And this is where we get the connection, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We've we've talked about it before, how Jake and Rachel are related. Uh, Rachel is related to Jake through her dad. Um, because, uh, Sadler, ever since Rachel's mom and dad got divorced, Sadler's parents haven't felt like they've been close to Rachel's mom, which implies that, uh, they're on the dad's side of the family. Yeah. Um, and Jake is just like, man, there's, I, I have so much to deal with right now. This is so much. Why is all of this? Everything happens so much. And plus, him, he's having like guilt on guilt because it's yeah. like he feels bad about um, the caring that there's going to be other people in the house. He feels guilty that it's a relief that his mm -hmm. parents are going to be gone. And then he feels guilty because uh, while he's sitting around feeling guilty, then like these massive stakes going on elsewhere. Uh, and, and we get the foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, I felt like my head was going to burst. I felt like I needed to sleep for about 14 hours, but I wasn't going to sleep. Not that night or the next. In fact, it was going to be a long time before I slept again. Things are about to fucking pop off. I hate this. Let it be known. <laughs> I hate this. Um... But uh, so Jake's parents leave. Um, he holds himself uh, up doing research. Uh, hooks into the dial-up. This is relevant. Um, and is looking up stuff about the conference, about the world leaders, the resort, security services, everything. Uh, he makes a notice about one possible way in because the prime minister of France's wife always travels with her chihuahuas. Um, Meanwhile, Tom does the whole big brother shtick of like, mm -hmm. aha, and sticks as he sticks his head in the, into the room. And Tom is just like, are you going to tie up the line all night? Someone might, might want to make a phone call. And then just like, it's 10 o'clock anyway, your bedtime. Um, <laughs> drawing it out that way, just like that pure older sibling energy that would actually be fun to read if we knew that Tom, if we didn't know that Tom was infested, you know. Um, yeah, shut up. Just because mom and dad aren't here, that doesn't make you, oh, yes, it does. I am the all powerful Tom. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and Jake's battling this as just like, yeah, no, you know what, Tom, I actually do know all about you. So how about we cut to the chase? But he doesn't. He just like, yeah, no, I'm signing off. Going to bed. So. And then Jake gets a call from Cassie. Uh, and she's speaking in code because, uh, obviously Tom could very easily be listening. Uh, and she says, hey, you know what? I heard Letterman got canceled. Is that true? No more Dave? Uh, did you check t TV Guide, says Jake? No, I looked everywhere else, though. Everywhere. Well, don't worry about it. He'll be there at the usual place, the usual time. And they both hang up, having, uh, in this conversation, told one another, David is missing. Uh, Cassie has looked everywhere for him, but she cannot find him. Uh, and Jake has told her that he'll be there as soon as he can get away. Uh, uh, 20 minutes later, Tom comes in to check on Jake to make sure that he's, you know, going to bed. Um, Jake pretends to be asleep, and then Tom fucking leaves the house uh, on Yerk business, probably. Um, Jake makes the uh, observation, Yerks make lousy babysitters, which is just, <laughs> it's hilarious and also really sad. Uh-huh. Uh, but Jake flies over to Rachel's house, or to Cassie's house. Rachel's already there. Uh, Rachel's, <laughs> we get the detail that Rachel is uh, dressed nicely because she keeps outfits at the barn. <laughs> whereas jake is standing there shivering in his morphing outfit um and cassie tells them uh look david went to sleep in the loft around nine early said he was tired i checked on him at 10 i remembered that i forgot to give that deer with the bullet wound her meds so i came back out no david uh Marco can't come because uh, his dad is out on the date on a date, and Marco needs to make sure that he's still there when his dad comes back. Um, and Rachel's just like, "Why? Why? And where would he go? Like, what is the point?" Um, Jake says for Cassie and Rachel to go owl, go find Axe and Tobias, bring them back. He's gonna go dog. He's gonna morph his dog Homer in order to uh, track David's trail. Um, uh, <laughs> we get uh, Jake morphing dog um, and being very happy. Um, and it's really fucking cute. I do appreciate, like, because Cassie's there, because <laughs> Rachel's gone to get find Tobias Rags, and Cassie's uh, still with, at least at the moment. And... Um, <laughs> Because Cassie says she's like, oh, life's great. Cassie's here. Does she want to play? And Cassie, fortunately, Cassie had enough sense to the class. She's like, no, thank you. I don't think we're here to play. <laughs> we won. All oh, right, we won. I, look, I love any perspective from dogs. Okay, yeah, it makes me so really. Mm -hmm. Um, but Cassie helps sort of Jake focus a little bit. Um, <laughs> and Cassie has an idea about creeping into sneaking into the resort. Mm -hmm. and Jake's got enough wherewithal just like is this going to make me feel better or worse <laughs> and she's like we'll talk about it later um, but she gives Jake uh, one of David's t-shirts to smell to get the scent and 
immediately. And then we get this, he get, he picks up the scent immediately. But then uh, we get this cute line, this wasn't as fun as chasing a stick, but it was some kind of game at least. And I liked Cassie. He's like, to be fair, this was line, if only she had a stick, which is just mm-hmm. like, yes. There's a little button on that. But there is something, I suppose because of how dogs are about the people, and like cats, like domesticated animals are about the people who love them, just like seeing that distilled into just the essence of I like Cassie is just yes. very yes. good. It is very good. So Jake's on the trail and it's an easy one to follow. Um, he realizes quickly that um, David morphed after getting a certain distance away from the barn. And Jake is pissed. Uh, angry enough that it cuts through the dog happy, as you phrase mm-hmm. it. Uh, because uh, David morphed lion. Um, so we learn what morph David picked at the zoo. And Cassie tries to mediate, just like maybe he wanted to try it because she's flying above in our morph. Mm-hmm. And she's been trying to reason about it. She's like, look, we used to do stuff like that. And Jake points out the danger of going lion morph this close to where people live. <laughs> and Cassie's just like, yeah, but you morph tiger and run around, ran around on people's roofs. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> so fair I like, point. yeah, fair point. Uh, but for keeps following the lion scent, uh, Tobias, uh, and Rachel catch up with them. Mm-hmm. Tobias is not happy about being awake in the middle of the night, as always. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but they, uh, come out of the woods and near a main road and there is, uh, a small, like, butt up strip over the road, uh, fast food places, gas station and a holiday inn. Um, and Jake, uh, is able to tell that David mor- demorphed again or demorphed and then morphed into Golden Eagle. And Jake is like getting an increasingly bad feeling about this. Yep. Uh, he asked Cassie if David said anything to her. Um, and she says he was complaining about missing his old room, his pet snake, his stuff, his TV. And Jake's like, yep, that sounds about right. Uh, and he points at the Holiday Inn across the road, which would have TV in it. Um, Jake demorphs and goes into the Holiday Inn. Um, he has apparently, uh, fig- I think he had uh, Cassie and Rachel figure out which room David was in. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and so he walks in uh, and knocks on the door. Uh, he tells David to open up the door like, hey, it's me, Jake. You got to let me in. And I'm just going to read this whole thing because it's just fucking important. <laughs> uh, the door opened. David was wearing sweatpants and a T-shirt. It was stuff I'd loaned him. Obviously, he'd taught himself to morph clothing like the rest of us. I didn't wait to be invited. I stepped inside. The TV was still on, but muted. What exactly are you doing here? I demanded, not very calmly. David shrugged. Hanging out, watching some tube, sleeping in a normal bed. What's that, crime? Yeah, it is a crime, I said. You didn't pay for this room. It was empty, so what? 
I pointed at the broken window we'd spotted from outside. You broke a window to get in. David smirked. Hey, a bird broke a window, okay? A bird used a rock to dive bomb the glass. Is that a crime? I don't think so. Officer, arrest that eagle? That's not happening. You're not talking to someone who doesn't know what's what, okay? The eagle morph is just a body and basic instincts. The mind is yours. Eagles don't bust into holiday inns. That was you. David flopped back onto the bed and picked up the remote control. He started flipping channels, ignoring me. Listen, David, we don't break laws. Not unless absolutely necessary. We don't hurt innocent people. We have to control how we behave. We're not a bunch of criminals. Like on the beach when we needed clothing, I already mailed the money to the shop. Are you going to do that here? David stopped channel surfing. How's it end for me, Jake? He asked. I have no home, all right? My family wants to turn me over to the Yerks. What am I supposed to do? Keep living in that barn? It's easy for you, Jake. You have a family. You have a home. You all have homes. You all sleep in beds at night and watch TV and eat at a table. Not all of us, I said. Not Tobias. Not Axe. Axe isn't even human. Neither is Tobias. I am. I'm human, like you and Marco and Cassie and Rachel, and all of you have homes. All of you can walk around the mall without having every controller around come down on you. It's a bad situation, I said. It stinks. Yeah. And what are you going to do about it, Jake? I... Look, we can only handle so many things at once, okay? Right now, the leaders of the most powerful nations on Earth are being targeted by the Yerks. I feel the clock ticking. I know your life sucks, okay? But I can't figure that out right now. Later. After this mission is over. David gave me a look that was pure cynicism. Yeah, right. Well, how about this, Jake? I'll handle my life. You be the big boss of the Animorphs, and I'll take care of me. An answer to David's challenge had formed in my mind. The words were right there, but they were harsh. And if I spoke them, I'd cross a line with David. A line I might not be able to uncross. It's like school and home, okay, David continued. It's like being an anamorph is school and you're the teacher or the principal or whatever. But then after I go home, you don't tell me what to do anymore. I shook my head. No, that's not what it's like, David. I don't want to come down on you, but the way it is is like this. You want to go around using your powers in selfish ways, then we can't have you around. You're just a danger to us, and you're against what we stand for. His eyes widened. He rolled off the bed and stood up. Are you threatening me? No, just telling you the way it is. We're the only family you have now, David. The only people you can trust. The only people who can help you. We are all you have. Deal with it. He shot me a sullen, resentful look. I couldn't blame him. I sounded like someone's father, saying, as long as you live in my house, you'll follow my rules. I sounded like I was threatening him. I was. Let's go, I said. We went. Like, you reading, you that, that whole exchange, it is, it feels so loaded. It doesn't, mm -hmm. and it also doesn't sound like two children no. talking. It, it's incredibly well written. Yep. And just my heart breaks for Jake yep. having to do this. Mm -hmm. It's the responsibility he takes upon himself. He's the only one, like, he wasn't going to let Cassie or Rachel go in to talk to David because like mm -hmm. he's the leader this is his role to play 
And for all that David is deeply unpleasant about it, he's not wrong. Yeah. Like, his position is an understandable one. In that he is in a shitty situation. And as far as he sees it, look, he has a means of doing a thing to make his situation suck a little less. Yep. Don't condone the behavior. I can understand it. Yep. I do appreciate also the detail of him. He is so upsettingly smart because he picks up things incredibly fast like he used the same method rachel did to bust his window to get in here Mm -hmm. a thing he saw what two days ago yep and that was what maybe his second time in eagle morph Mm -hmm. and he's picked up on the entire dynamic of the team Mm -hmm. he recognizes that like Yeah, sure, you say that you're going to take care of me after this mission is over. But after this mission is over, there's going to be another mission. And... I don't know, he's... He's such a fucking slimeball. And I... I hate that he has immediately picked up on what Tobias did earlier with stealing shorts. Mm -hmm. And now he's using it to his own advantage. In a way that is outwardly similar, but Mm. uh, actually not the same at all. (laughs) Yeah. There's also the deeply, and this is like foreshadowing something that happens later, Mm -hmm. and referencing back to a comment he made last book about animals Uh and how he has classed Tobias in his mind as not human. For all the he and he knows what that what happened to Tobias. He knows that Tobias used to be a per, a human person all the time. Right. It does make me wonder if there had been time for him to see Tobias in human morph, if he would see things any differently. Probably not. I don't think so. Because I'm not a psychologist. However, I have read plenty of a lot of stuff through my own research about like being neurodivergent and stuff like that. And so much of David's behavior chimes with, and I, I don't want to throw around terms that I'm not equipped or qualified to use, but criteria that you often see in, is it the DSM? Mm-hmm. Mm, of like a psychopathy or a, was it a def- oppositional defiance disorder? Mm-hmm. Or um, I know sociopathy is a diff- slightly different thing, but the way he has his own view of the world and has categorized things, yeah, he isn't going to change his mind. Once yeah. he has put something in a box, he's not going to take it back out of that. And yeah. I, no amount of explaining is going to really change that, which makes thinking ahead again to certain altercations and how he is able to snap between things, but also like get that read on a situation mm-hmm. even more worrisome. Because he 
for all that his in, his impression or his take might be incorrect, he's able to make it quickly and let it govern his behavior mm-hmm. in a similar way to Marco do, that Marco does. Yep. And in a similar way to Jake does. Mm-hmm. As as like coming back to the whole acting as a foil to the other animals. And it's what I think what I wish we got a description of how tall David was. Because we only know that he's like blonde yeah. and blue-eyed. Presumably he's the same year, like would be in the same grade as the kids, maybe a year older. Yeah. But the because we know Jake is big for all that they have like not that kind of visuals on the book covers. He's described frequently as being this tall, big mm-hmm. kid, and it makes me wonder like where David is like squaring off up against Jake. Mm-hmm. There, there's something about the way people, the dynamics of people that are okay to get up in the face of because you think you'll win, and people you don't. Mm-hmm. And how much it push it's a push for David to square up with Jake. Yeah. And it's only when he truly feels threatened that he does so. Yep. I am so excited to see 22. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how David versus Rachel is going to be, I have to say. Uh-huh. They're smiling, listeners. Can can you hear this? Because I do. <laughs> it fills me with fear and excitement. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting and upsetting in in the visceral way mm-hmm. of seeing. There's there's something about somebody forced to grow up too fast for both of them. Yeah. And the way it is manifesting differently in in these two situations, like, yeah, like, he's, like, glossing over the fact that, like, Jake lives with somebody who's a controller, mm-hmm. but all he does is, oh, well, you've got your family. Yep. And, like, he knows that Marco's mum is Visa One. Like, he knows that for all that they have a a home and some family members around them, like, the situations the other kids have isn't as simple as he wants to paint it. Mm -hmm. But all he sees is the things he doesn't have and that he thinks he should have. Yeah. And... It's like the requests that he's making aren't necessarily unreasonable, like you mentioned. And like wanting to not sleep in a barn is is pretty valid, honestly. Yeah. Um to to be able to watch TV and pretend like your entire life hasn't fallen to pieces around you, you know, I I get it. Yeah. If if David were a less antagonistic kind of person, I feel like the Animorphs would bend over backwards to try to help him. Yeah. 
because they're kind people. Mm -hmm. They're deeply compassionate. All of them are. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, and it was like we were talking about with Jen about mm -hmm. how there are certain kinds of characters that are just hated. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something about David, the quality that he has written with, that even these kids who open their hearts to so many people, and they're trying to with him as much as they can, but the fact that they don't treat him the way they've treated other people, I feel is so telling about their fear and what kind of person David is. Yeah. Like, they have treated Yerks better mm -hmm. and with more kindness. Granted, very different situation. Most a lot of the time with the X was significantly less age. I'm mostly thinking of Cassie and Aftran, I will say. But it's like you can't not see the difference. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like you're saying, I just like he should be them. It's like and that and you can see that frustration almost mm -hmm. for the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like it's, even like Cassie and Rachel, who were just like, yeah, no, bring him aboard, mm -hmm. are also very keen to be on. We got to keep an eye on this kid. Like, are they all getting it in the same way that Jake is? Like, mm -hmm. is it like the more time they spend around David, the more they realize it might have been a misstep? But it's yeah. like, well, he's here now. Yep, yeah. I and think these, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. And these kids take responsibility. Yeah. I think, I think like... Mm, go on. David is the kind of person that even when you've just met them, you just feel uneasy around them. Yeah. And like every time you interact with them, they just, they say another thing that's like, okay, well maybe they didn't mean it like that. And it's like you keep giving them the benefit of the doubt, but it's how long do you give them the benefit of the doubt for before yeah. you start to be like, nah, I just like don't like this person because of the things that they're choosing to be and say and do. Which um, I suppose is fun. I say fun. An interesting observation when you think about how Marco knows he doesn't like David from the jump pretty yeah. much. Mm -hmm. because we know Marco can take things in and make those conclusions quickly. Yep. And the reason why he's not fighting more is because he understands the group cohesion and doesn't want to cause problems. Like we saw from yep. his perspective, like, okay, I really wish Cassie wasn't making this worse, but hey, if this is the situation as it needs to be so we can mm -hmm. function, fine. Yeah, it's it, and we we do see Jake talking to Cassie hmm. uh in a moment. Um uh is it here? It's a little further down, I think. Yeah, it's a little further down. Um but it, Jake does get the chance to ask Cassie what she thinks and she's basically like, "Man, I don't know what to think." 
because it is a very complicated situation. You want to give, everyone wants to give David the benefit of the doubt and to say like, well, he's been in this really shitty situation and how else would you expect him to act? And it's like, well, I expect him to act better than this, whatever this is. Yeah. It's telling that even Cassie can't get a read yes. on him. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's another like clue to the audience. I'm yeah. not gonna describe like David as being like there's a lot of terminology that could be like ableist towards like other autistic folks like about being emotionally closed off or like um completely lacking in empathy. Cause I don't think that's the case also, but that's not a fucking byword for psychopaths. But the fact that Cassie can't connect with him, can't read him, I feel is the is Ka telling us it's another red flag. 